Dead men tell no tales. Fifty men loaded in man's chest. Yo, ho, ho, and a bottle of rum. Drink and the devil had done for the rest. Yo, ho, ho, and a bottle of rum. What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor? The ship with black sails that's crewed by the damned. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Black Pearl Show, a Pirates of the Caribbean Minute podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis from scottartis.com. And I'm Heather Artis from blackpearlminute.com. Is that quick enough for you today? Yeah, it was so quick that I was even going to just continue on and I ended up interrupting you because I wasn't expecting it. When I say expecting it, I wasn't expecting any words coming out of your mouth, actually. Because I don't understand the words that are coming out of your mouth. Thanks for joining us for Minute 46 of Dead Man's Chest. We're still here. Can you believe it? We're still in Dead Man's Chest? Yeah, we're still in Dead Man's Chest. We're no longer on the island. Oh my god, that's right. Oh yeah. That's good news, actually. That it is. I had this weird like dream where I went back to the island and we had to redo everything. And I think that's probably because I was wondering, what the hell am I going to do with my time? All that time that I spent thinking about long pork, and now we can't even talk about it anymore. It's in our past. So there we go. So I guess that'll be the last time we say that for now. Or say long pork. Long pork. In the previous minute, like any host, the cannibal Pelagosos are just a bit disappointed that guest of honor Captain Jack Sparrow decided not to stay for lunch. Not only that... He freaking absconded with the other courses of the meal. A little Gibbs with that sparrow, perhaps? How about some sweet will for dessert? Thank the Aztec gods we've sailed off the island, I swear. No, not the Black Pearl crew. I'm talking about myself here. Thank God we're off the island. As for Pintel and Rigetti, they managed to sneak aboard the now-floating Pearl using that all-too-clever disguise. You know, those disguises of Pintel and Rigetti costumes? Yep, that worked. Allowed them to blend right in. Minute 46 begins with Will finishing discussing the ins and outs of he and Elizabeth's current situation. About to hang for helping you? Jack replies, There comes a time when one must take responsibility for one's mistakes. Will grabs the sword of Lejeune, swipes it, and holds it to Jack's neck. I need that compass of yours, Jack. I must trade it for her freedom. The minute ends with Jack showing Will the drawing of the key. You want you to find this, because the finding of this... Finds you incapacitorially finding and or locating in your discovery, dot, dot, dot. Just curious if you got that. Did you get that? Sounds like a bit circle talking to me. Yeah, I I mean, I'm not starting at the beginning here, but that, I mean, I was just quoting from Jack there. Okay, it's a callback to like the Curse of the Black Pearl. I mean, maybe not really. Okay, a callback. But this is entirely within the character Jack to create like this what I'm going to call a word salad that could potentially confuse the hardiest of linguists out there. It's like just, like you said, circle talk, double speak, whatever you want to yeah. call it. He excels at this kind of stuff. Yeah. Plus, he makes up words, so I kind of like that. Reminds me of somebody. You? Oh, I think it's you. I don't make words up. 
Somebody makes up words around here. I and if know. it's not me. We know who makes up words around here. I'm going to ignore that comment and I will take that as a compliment. He started to venture down this road with Gibbs a bit too. Not just Will. Right. It's like you really have to be on the ball to catch what Jack is saying sometimes. The orders he's giving, whatever else is going on here. If you don't catch it, you could just be like, what the hell just happened there? You wander in your thoughts for like two seconds. Ah, hell, you just missed the gist of what Jack was probably saying. It's like Gordon Ramsay shouting tickets to the cooks. (laughs) What the freaking hell did he just say? It's like, damn you, Gordon Ramsay. Quit trying to trip everybody up just for the hell of it. I know it's a TV show, Gordon. I know. Fist bump. Just in case he ever sees me. I don't want him calling me Tiny Mind or something like that. (laughs) Yeah, because next thing you'll know, Jack will be calling people Tiny Minds around here. Perhaps the greatest of all Gordon Ramsay insults that I've seen. (laughs) Tiny Mind. That was awesome. You don't want to have somebody call you a Tiny Mind. No. (laughs) That's just not good. (laughs) If anybody should be called a tiny mind around here, I'm looking at the one-eyed Rigetti. Yes. Just because he's... Arguing it's not really a tiny a... mind. It's a naive mind. An unmatured mind. Yes. An unmatured. Speaking of people making up words around here. Unmatured. Unmatured. Yeah. I'm looking at you making up words over there. But this is all contained in Jack's word salad. And I throw in Chef Gordon Ramsay... For a reason. I mean, it's like, ah, the show just comes together every once in 46 episodes or so that we can have a Gordon Ramsay appropriate drop-in, a metaphor kind of thing. But and we're, we're talking about word salad. Boom. But we're Chefs, no longer word cooking. Salad. We're not cooking. We're no longer cooking long pork, so... That's true. You think Gordon would have came up... Before that? Before. I was afraid of his lawyers harassing us because <laughs> we were accusing some of his meals of being long pork. <laughs> Look, we can't even get away from long pork here. We've sailed away. Sailed away. It's like an Inya thing here. Is that who sang that song? I don't know. Sail away, sail away. Maybe. I'm not going to break into songs. Or am I? No. But yeah, it really is interesting, though, that Jack has this speak thing. And I think he excels at it to confuse people so he can get his way. It's the only reason I can come up with. It's like part of his tactic. I use it for that reason. I like to just... Throw out words when I'm doing things. It's like a, an interview process or something. <laughs> you just, it's almost like a, okay, a legal thing. You know, you can drown somebody in paperwork. Yes. I drown them in words. That you do. And people go, what the hell just happened there? Did just he come into an show. interview or did he, he just come in here and he tell us stuff? Just listen to our show. Really? You're going to go there? No. Because if somebody wasn't taking charge here, we'd actually be breaking down this movie minute by minute. As if it was a silent movie. Just be dead air for 30 minutes or so. Is that what you think? After my intro. Is that what you think? Is that what my tiny mind thinks? Hmm, that's a good question. You got that right. How dare you? Seriously. Lejean. Oh, I wanted to ask you. No, no. You can't just throw that out. I just had... My brilliant transition was to just throw out a guy's name really quickly. As if we're done with Gordon Ramsay. I'm just going to like... Be Heather's butterfly mind and throw out a word and hopefully it sticks for the transition. No, you said Lejean, the knife of Lejean or the sword of Lejean. The sword of Lejean. Yeah, but that sounds like it's a, you know, the sword of, it doesn't. Yes, that but is Lejean correct. But Lejean is the person. That's because in the Knights of the Round Table era, they actually had a mission to go get the sword of Lejean. 
Oh, okay. And that's part of connected to the sword and the stone, actually. That's oh, probably okay. where you remember. Get the hell out of here. That was all made up. Sorry, I had to tease everybody out there. Everybody's like, oh my God, I didn't know about the story of Lejean and the sword. The sword of Lejean. You no. just like to make me look stupid. Ooh, I didn't mean to. Yeah. It just came out. Uh-huh. No, Lejean. Because, yeah, okay, we completely dropped the ball. And now I'm going to send all your hate mail to Heather. She says she, I made her look stupid, and I didn't mean to do that if that was true. I just like to make up stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm getting the evil eye here. Probably deservedly so. A thousand... A thousand. Can't even speak anymore. A thousand pardons, madame. There. Is that better? No. Dang it. But I completely dropped the ball. I sidelined one of the Motley crew this entire time. Sure, he's not on par with Marty of cotton or let alone gibbs or will but hell i mean he's still a cannibal surviving motley crewman and that's lejean sorry lejean you know you're always welcome to join the show if you're out there we talked about lejean last season and then we also talked about him more this season on episode eight minute eight of dead man's chest and he may have been the guy that actually started my list of crazy characters remember cool guy afro (laughs) <laughs> or Afro cool guy or cool Afro guy probably is what it was. Afro circus? I'm not going to start singing Afro circus, you Madagascar throwing. You're trying to trip me up and get me to start singing over here. Or mustard face. These are some of the cool characters that Jean had. Mm. But I'll quickly mention him again, just because I cut him out a bit while we had this extended stay on Pelagosto. And I do feel bad for always mentioning like Marty Cotton and Gibbs. And I never said Lejean and he was in How the rude. Bo- Bone cage with everybody else. So rude. It is rude. Lejean was played by Lejean. He racked up 80 credits on his IMDb resume, steadily working since 1999. He was in the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie. That's Curse of the Black Pearl for you over there, Heather. And besides this one, he comes back to portray a pirate in On Stranger Tides. Albeit uncredited, so he was a crewman of the Queen Anne's Revenge. There. Did I do him justice for leaving him out of the Motley crew? I mean, we did do a lot about him in episode eight. Where did we do a lot about him in? Talked about him. In episode eight? Yeah. Oh, okay. Glad that episode made a real impact on your soul that you remember it. You're like, oh, Lejean, I remember him so well from Scott's discussion and bringing us all those interesting facts. I remember cool Afro guy like it was yesterday. Cool Afro guy. But no, apparently you don't. Like our repartee here, the seamless integration of awesome... Tiny Minds. Ah, oh, yes, Lejean. Episode 8, I recall. What? Afro Circus, Mustard Face. You Afro know, Circus? Like that. That's not even... <laughs> the hell, get the hell out of here. <laughs> but our repartee is... People have likened it to that of Jack and Will. Me, obviously, being the skilled pirate Jack, and as well as the skilled swordsman of Will, and the rugged good looks of Thor. So, yeah... I'm not sure where you fit in here, but you're in here somewhere in this repartee. But Jack and Will, I mean, this is a great development over the two movies so far. Ever since they came together in the blacksmith shop, shiver me timbers. Not like came together. (laughs) (laughs) They showed up together. Where Will was banging his ingot? Yeah, that spot. That, That really hot and sweaty joint that they nicknamed, as I air quote this, the blacksmith shop. No, but they had a couple of rounds of sword fighting. And this is not. The, <laughs> this is actual sword fighting. Really? 
This is where you're gonna go. No, I'm just saying what was. I'm I'm letting people remember what happened there. Okay. And that's where it all started. That repartee that they have, and that's here because they had some really good repartee while they were sword fighting. God, I really wanted to drop something else there, but I couldn't. I couldn't help myself. I didn't want to go there. I don't want to be. I want to be. You know that gray poupon of podcasts, not just you know straight up yellow mustard kind of thing. But what I like here is that Will holds the sword to Jack, yet he knows it's a rather empty threat. Jack pushes it away, giving him the, you're not really going to kill me look. Yeah. But I think this is a bit of misdirection for the audience. It appears Will gets the best of Jack, you know, gets him to think twice of what's going on here about saving Elizabeth. Will needs the compass. But I get the feeling Jack was concerned for Elizabeth, actually. Do you? But not so concerned that they can't have a detour. A little, yeah. a little concerned, okay? Jack, the pirate that he is, and bargain maker that he is too, as seen in The Curse of the Black Pearl, there's lots of similar elements coming through. But Jack works well with Will in getting what he wants. Jack sees this as a win-win scenario. Or maybe if you're looking at The Office and you have a hankering for The Office. Win-win-win. A win-win-win, yeah. There you go. Ah, you know The Office. It worked in Curse of the Black Pearl, so why won't it work now? That's why Jack opts for the trade. He knows in his heart he can't let Elizabeth die or hang. I mean, seriously. Not just because she helped him escape the gallows. In fact, I don't even, I'm not even sure that would be sufficient reason for Jack to alter his plans, actually. But because there's an Elizabeth stirring in his heart, he won't be able to resist that urge to rescue her because his damn heart, basically. But before he is willing to give up the compass, I think he needs to complete his task first and find the key. The compass helps with that as long as it's not, you know, going haywire. Plus, as we know, Jack always comes up with other plans or has them in the works. So I think this buys him more time to devise a way to save Elizabeth and keep the compass as well. The best of both worlds. A win-win for Jack. And I'm not saying it's a win-win for Will. He doesn't necessarily care about that. It's a win-win for Jack is what I'm talking about here. Okay. Because I had to watch this conversation with Gibbs a few times because I wasn't sure what the heck the point was regarding a need to go upriver. And that's why I'm starting to wonder if it's some kind of detour that Jack can start to put another plan into motion. Which, I mean, we have seen the movie, so maybe you know that can kind of come in. But for this stage in the movie and our current knowledge of things to come, it's almost like he's trying to tell Gibbs that we can't make a direct route to Port Royal to save Elizabeth. But we first like have this need to stop somewhere. It's a bit of a cryptic and weird conversation, don't you think? I mean, what the hell? I kind of got the idea. I mean, let's say I haven't seen this movie before. I kind of got the idea that uh, it's almost like he's going to do something with Will up the river. Toss him overboard, feed him the alligators. I was hoping you were going to clarify that. Something like that. You know, get rid of Will. Oh, we got to get rid of this guy. He just wants my compass. He's just being, you know, a pain in the... Rump. And I'm also not sure Jack really cares that Elizabeth is in jail. I don't or know. that she may hang for what he, she did to help him. That's what I'm saying. I think that there's a small stirring going on there that he does have that kind of concern for her. But it's not so much of a concern, like I said, that he's willing to head straight there right away or give up the compass right away. That's what I'm saying. I think as somebody that's going into this movie for the first time and hasn't seen it or the entire franchise, you're thinking, 
is this upriver plan to get supplies? Is it a ruse? Because the way he says it to Gibbs, like, hey, we have a need to go upriver. And Gibbs is like, what the hell are you talking about? Like a flirt, uh, flittering or flirting or something need. But that's Tr- the... Uh, okay, do you me. mean a trifling need? A trifling need. need. A fleeting? Fleeting, there you As go. As in, say, a fancy? There. So Gibbs is trying to get an idea of what the captain wants and what he wants him to say. Gibbs doesn't really want to go there. We know that. No, you can tell by the look on his face he doesn't want to go. So he knows something that we don't of where they're actually headed. But as an audience person, it almost comes across as, why are we going to be going to this place? And I think that's the point, is maybe more so than anything else. As an audience, we're left guessing, why does Jack really want to go there? He has something up his sleeve. Is there something else that he's going to conjure up to try and save Elizabeth? Or more importantly, save himself? save what he wants, and then by default as like a part B of his success is that, yeah, Elizabeth will probably go free as well. Kind of. So in a way, he tells Will the truth about things. Yeah. But it's a little shrouded in mystery, and there's some stretching of things, if you will. Because he says, you want you to kind of do things. So I think that that is part of it. I mean, because we know where he's headed because we've seen the movie. And I know we're trying not to do the spoiler here. But I think for a person that's coming into this, they're leaving this open to decide what is really going on here. Jack doesn't really want to give up his compass. They're still holding on to this idea that Jack is a pirate. Jack doesn't really have a connection to Will other than that they have had you know, some dealings in the past, but it's not like he owes Will his life or anything. He doesn't feel that way. Otherwise he'd rush off to help. That's what I'm saying. So I almost expected Jack to say, yes, Will, we're going to go save Elizabeth, but first we really need to stop off and get supplies. That kind of thing. Yeah. Right, Gibbs? I mean, don't we, wink, wink, need to go get supplies? But then he kind of drops that angle and tells Will he'll trade services. So I think that's it. Because I think we end up getting into more spoiler territory. Yeah. If we talk about it, but... I think that there's some misdirection and the audience is kind of left wondering what's to come. Right. What are Jack's real plans and his intentions? And by the way, the drawing of the key appeared. So we have to cue, obviously, the spooky supernatural music. The uh, Davy Jones chest music. Did you notice that? Yeah. There you go. I just wanted to make sure. Which fits perfectly with what we talked about earlier. The word salad. It's like, let the confusing speak begin. When we're talking about all the go up river stuff. Exactly. Kind of goes over our heads. It does. It's a, As an audience member seeing us for the first time. Crazy talk. Yeah. And I'm not really, I don't know if it works or not, to be honest with you, because we're left so much in the dark. Why do we want to go up the river? Right. It's not like he says, because, yeah, we're not going to spoil it, but like, we're going to go up river to do X, or we're going to stop off at this place and see if we can get some help. It's really. A mysterious kind of thing. We're going to go up there. Gibbs doesn't... That's what we know. And Gibbs doesn't want to. And that's what's interesting about it. The whole thing's shrouded in mystery. And it kind of leaves us wondering what's going on. Because of that, I was really trying to see what the script had to say. Because I was wondering if the script had anything different. Yeah. And, you know, maybe they cut some stuff out or whatever happened. But the whole conversation unravels a bit differently, actually, in that final production draft. Will tells Jack all about the letters of Mark getting a full pardon and being in the service of England. Oh, really? Yeah, so it is kind of a whole different scenario. Jack responds with, like, accepting all those things is what you want me to do for you, but what are you going to do for me? So it's kind of of the same thing, but it's, like, more verbose. 
than it is in the actual final movie. And the script had a callback, I think, to The Curse of the Black Pearl. It's like a running Pirates of the Caribbean theme, actually. Jack says, what are you willing to do? And Will says, anything. Jack already knows this. And that's what he's counting on. Right. Because it's the whole, what are you willing to do for Elizabeth or to save Elizabeth? And Will says anything. Yeah. He says that again. It's another callback that was written, but it doesn't show up in this particular scene like it does. In Black Pearl. In Black Pearl. Which I'm kind of disappointed it wasn't. Because I think it could have set up some crazy stuff that happens later in the movie at this stage. Jack, but but then again, Jack already knows he's willing to do anything for Elizabeth. Right. Doesn't need to be reiterated. No, and that's why his confusing... You want you to do this. Right. Is, you know, you want you to find this key is kind of a more of a cryptic way of saying, yeah, you're going to do anything for her. Right. And I know it. And you're going to help me out, by the way, again. There you go. Another notable omission from the script is the confusing speech by Jack. It was actually simple and straightforward in the script. It wasn't all of this craziness that we see here. So I'm wondering how much of that was gore, how much of it was Ted and Terry at, on the scene, or how much of this was actually ad-libbed by Jack, or right. Johnny Depp, I should right. say, when he goes through this. Because we know he does this kind of stuff, and right. he helps to improve on things, brings in some of the character that he's been playing and has really gotten close to. Because even in interviews and behind the scenes, you can see how Johnny Depp talks about Jack Sparrow, and the fact that it's like such a part of him it's become and it's evolved in. That I think he, you know, he becomes this character and brings this character to life. So he has a lot to do with the script and how some of the words come out, which I think works well. Yeah. So I'm going to leave it there, actually. And I'm not going to get much into anything else right now. But no? it No, it was like this episode that started off with some snarky talk. <laughs> and now we got serious again. And that happens here, which is so weird. It's like, oh, where did the humor go? Yeah, I got sucked into talking about movie elements. Or Damn it. away just like that. Yeah, it just gets away. People are coming here for these like childlike bits of humor. And then I deliver serious uh, movie talk and plot stuff. It's just and ridiculous. Breakdown. Yeah, it is ridiculous. So that's it then. I'm going to leave here disappointed. We'll be back on Friday with Minute 47 of Dead Man's Chest, in case you were wondering what was going on. Until Thank then, Scallywags... Let's keep the horns swoggling to a minimum. You've been listening to the Black Pearl Show, and we appreciate it, Scallywags. I know you're still on pirate time and kicking back with the booze, but you may have noticed... Actually, who am I kidding? The only thing you've noticed lately is the inside of the Faithful Bride Tavern. Anyways, our procrastination has paid off yet again and Season 2 is here and we are willfully unprepared. Maybe we can distract people with a Jack Sparrow wave of the hands and send people across that thing called the internet. Check us out on Facebook.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, Twitter.com slash Black Pearl Men, Instagram.com slash Black Pearl Show, soundcloud.com slash pirates of the caribbean that's for best of clips and by all means give us a plug and review on itunes we'd appreciate it mateys oh and let's not forget the facebook cursed crew listeners group for post episode discussions 
That's actually a lot to remember, especially if you're in a foggy haze like Heather. Just go to blackpearlshow.com and everything is there at the click of a button. Perhaps I should have just said that from the beginning. This is a Shoutreach Media Production. Pirates don't need no stinking disclaimers, but just for fun. I think all you dirty, filthy bildrats know that Disney and Bruckheimer Films have no affiliation with us at all, and we have none with those blooming cockroaches. We talk about Pirates of the Caribbean, which is their property, and all that other fun stuff. But I think it's obvious what's ours and what's theirs. There's no need to blur the lines or stir up a bloody rum-filled sweat. As for the music... That's with permission or licensed under Creative Commons. So let's give a shout out to Ross Bugden, Six Nail Coffin, and Tommy Wynn. The rest? Well, that's just me. Oh, and maybe Heather.